Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this very busy Thursday. This week feels like, I don't know, 10 weeks all packed into one. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. On social media, you can find me on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley, and by email at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, next week, we've got a really fun show lined up for you. We're going to talk to the chicks on the right. These ladies are fabulous and really fun, so that is going to be a dynamite show. We've got more huge guests coming our way, so you're not going to want to miss a second of this show. Uh, later today, I want to share my thoughts on the late Henry Kissinger, who I came to know in the early to mid-1990s when I was working with President Nixon during the last years of his life, uh, and came to know Dr. Kissinger I want to share some final thoughts about him. Also on my Instagram, I posted a lovely picture of us and a little tribute. So please go check it out, Monica Crowley underscore. And today I'm working on a piece that the New York Post has requested of me about uh, my thoughts on Kissinger, but you're going to get them first right here in a couple of minutes. The article in the Post should go up probably later tonight and be in the New York Post uh, actual paper tomorrow. So you want to check it out because while I will share my thoughts with you today about HAK, his initials, um, you are going to get a more extensive uh, view in the New York Post article that I'm going to write today that's going to go in tomorrow. So please go check it out. I will link it once it's published to all of my social media accounts. So you'll be able to see it there as well. Uh, Also later today, we're going to speak with Senator Tommy Tuberville, Uh, He has been in the line of fire because he has taken a principal stand on public funds for abortion, which the Biden administration illegally went around the law uh, with the Department of Defense and has public funds going to supporting abortion, travel for abortion, etc., So Senator Tuberville stood up, drove a stake into the ground and said, nope, not on my watch. And he put a hold on the military appointees until the DOD changed their tack, which they have not yet done. So Chuck Schumer and some Republicans like Susan Collins have been all over Senator Tuberville. He's going to be here with a full update on that and... Apparently, you know, the White House uh, and the Uni Party, McConnell, Schumer, they still want to ram through billions of dollars more for Ukraine by tying it to aid to Israel, which Tuberville and so many Republicans uh, support. They want it paid for on the GOP side. They want the money paid for, and they've drawn the line on Ukraine money. 
about $200 billion going to Ukraine, that's enough. When even the Ukrainians are saying this war is lost and people are moving to, to a peace agreement or at least discussions of a peace agreement. So no more money to Ukraine. Thank you very much. Tommy Tuberville is going to be here moments away. So jam-packed show. But first, the Monica Memo. Red state versus blue state. The big rumble on conservative politics at the state level versus far left-wing communist policies at the state level. That debate is going to happen tonight on Fox News, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, hosted and moderated by Sean Hannity. It is going to be California Governor Hairdo Gavin Newsom versus Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, both of whom might be running for president (laughs) this time around. DeSantis clearly is, obviously. And Newsom is clearly waiting in the wings for something to happen to Joe Biden. So tonight is going to be a very interesting spectacle. Uh, The styles could not be more different. You've got DeSantis, who is a serious policy-oriented governor. All of the facts are on his side. I mean, Florida has become an economic boom thanks to his free market economic principles, thanks to the fact that Florida is a free state. He has kept it a free state, even though, and we heard from Julie Kelly earlier in the week, go back and listen to that show if you haven't already. She talks about how she lived in Florida throughout the pandemic. And yes, DeSantis did shut down the state, but pretty much so did every other governor because we didn't know what that virus was. So uh, he did, but then he opened it long before many, many other governors. I mean, I think California is still locked down. Newsom was out at the French Laundry having a multi-thousand dollar dinner with a bunch of friends at one of the top restaurants in the nation while everybody else was locked down and forced not to leave their apartments and their homes. So Newsom, you know, doesn't have the facts on his side. California is an absolute basket case, economically, culturally, uh, with the homeless problem. There's no economic growth. It is totally stagnant. You've got homeless on the streets, drug abuse. The cities from San Francisco to L.A. to San Diego overrun with illegal immigrants, drug addicts, criminals of all stripes. He's got a mess. He and the left have destroyed that state. It didn't start with Newsom, but remember, Newsom's been in public office a long time. First as mayor, he may have even had an office before he became mayor of San Francisco. But he has been running the show for a very long time, driving that gorgeous state right into the ground. So if we're just looking at facts, DeSantis would win that debate hands down. A million people have left California in the last, what, two years? A million people. Many of them have gone to Florida because DeSantis has governed that state so effectively. And it's such a great place to be free and thrive. So just on the facts, DeSantis wins hands down. But as we all know, starting from the advent of television and the 1960 presidential election, which was the first real big televised uh, series of debates between my old boss, President Nixon, and John F. Kennedy, we know the power of the image. 
Fair or not. And Nixon used to bellyache about this all the time. But it was the reality. He used to say, my God, my God. <laughs> if, uh, if Lincoln had to go on TV, Abraham Lincoln would have lost because he was tall and lanky and not all that good looking. So thank God we did not have uh, television uh, when Lincoln was running for office. But television, video, it's all a big reality now and has been for decades. So you got to be good on TV if you want to have any hope of winning anything. That's just the truth. And, you know, DeSantis, as smart as he is, I mean, we've seen him in these Republican debates and there's just, you know, he tends to get overwhelmed by everybody else, you know, the more forceful personalities on the stage, whether it's Vivek or Chris Christie, look, none of them are going to win the Republican nomination. But he has shown that, you know, he's he's a reserved person. He's a military guy, all superb and a very, very effective governor, the best governor in the country. But when you're putting him up on stage with people who are more charismatic, who are more forceful, I know it ain't fair, but life ain't fair. And Governor Hairdo is tall, and he's handsome, and he's got the hairdo, and he is slick, and he knows how to manipulate facts and data to make it look like he's making a case. So all I have to say is tonight's going to be very interesting. I will be watching. But if DeSantis uh, does not prevail here, both stylistically and in terms of the facts, well, then his presidential campaign is over because everybody is going to look at that and say, if he can't beat Newsom, how is he going to beat Trump? And if he can't beat Newsom and or Trump, how is he going to beat Biden? or Kamala, or Newsom again, or Michelle, or Mrs. Clinton, or whomever the Democrats put up. And if he can't do that, how is he going to beat Russia, China, Iran, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hamas, Hezbollah, the deep state, the globalists? I mean, come on. So it, it is very high stakes for both men tonight. But I would say higher stakes for Governor DeSantis. I wish him well. I want him to win this debate. Again, he is superb. But the stakes are very high, so let's see how it's done. We're going to keep a close eye on that. All right, next, Orwell. We're literally living in Orwell. Actually, even Orwell himself could not have fathomed how intrusive the government could be. You know, he based 1984 and Animal Farm, his two classics, on Nazi fascism and Soviet totalitarianism, communism. And yet, Stalin and Hitler had nothing on Biden, Garland, and Jack Smith. The Department of Justice is watching you. You may have not done anything wrong in your eyes. You didn't go to the Capitol on January 6th. You didn't break any laws. You didn't crash through the Capitol. It doesn't matter. If you support Donald Trump, they're watching you, which means they're watching me and probably the the vast majority of all of us listening to this show, right? Listen to this. Special counsel Jack Smith, who, remember, is a direct appointee. He is an arm of Joe Biden as the nation's chief law enforcement officer 
And the Attorney General Merrick Garland, the most political, radical, corrupt Attorney General we have ever had, Special Counsel Jack Smith is an extension of them. He's appointed by them. Jack Smith sent a search warrant to X, formerly known as Twitter, I still call it Twitter, um, and he requested a vast swath of information about the Twitter account of President Donald Trump, as well as, you ready for this? Information on the millions of Twitter accounts that interacted with President Trump's account. Even those that liked a tweet by Trump, or retweeted a tweet by Trump from October of 2020, heading into the presidential, to January of 2021, right around January 6th, but through that entire month. So we're looking at, what, four months? Four months of metadata, anybody who interacted with Trump's account. You liked a tweet, you retweeted him, you quote tweeted him, whatever, Jack Smith and the DOD have your information. The heavily redacted search warrant requests a list of all users who liked or retweeted posts from Trump, again, in that time frame, including, quote, all associated logs and metadata, which could cover location data. Where were you? Were you in the Capitol for a family funeral on January 6th or January 5th or 7th? of 2021? Ah, well, then they've got your name on a list. We covered this uh, on Tuesday on the show that the TSA, the air marshals, admitted that they got everybody's name who flew into the D.C. area in that couple of days. Doesn't matter what you were coming to D.C. for. Visiting your college roommate, boom, you're on the list. Family funeral, boom, you're on the list. Shopping in the D.C. area, boom, you're on the list. The government keeps lists. You know what governments keep lists like this? Totalitarian ones. Tyrannies. Nazi Germany kept extensive lists on everybody, all of their movements, who they talked to. Communist regimes, like my grandparents used to send letters to their relatives in Poland when Poland was still behind the Iron Curtain, and the responses that they would get back from their relatives were all opened by the communist government. They would read what was uh, written back to my grandparents in America, and the censors of the government would actually take uh, deep, deep magic markers and redact the letters and then tape up the letters and send them on to America. You think that censorship is horrible and a horror? Well, we're living through it right now, only it's digital. This extraordinarily expansive uh, request by DOJ Jack Smith would result in data on millions of American users being turned over to the DOJ. Twitter initially delayed complying with the request per the New York Post, resulting in a $350,000 fine levied against the company. So they hit Twitter with a huge fine because it wouldn't comply. It did not want to turn over all of our data. The warrant also requests all IP addresses associated with Trump's account and a list of all devices used to log into it. That means any staffer or aide who logged into Trump's account uh, to tweet for him once a draft was done 
would have the information divulged to the special prosecutor. All information on Trump's Connect and Notification tabs was requested, as well as all search history, blocks, mutes, and even drafted tweets. So if Trump or someone on his staff in the White House drafted a tweet and never sent it, Jack Smith wants that too. The warrant instructed Twitter not to notify Trump of the search order. The company attempted to overcome this in court, but failed. Again, the judicial system completely now communist and corrupt. I don't know where this case was heard, uh, but it was probably either California or New York or Washington, D.C., right? Because it's the DOJ requesting this. So some crazy communist judge, and we got a lot of them now, uh, overruled this and allowed Twitter to go forward with this. And then Twitter had to comply. But good for them for fighting back. I mean, thank God for Elon Musk. Seriously. At least they tried. The government is watching you. It has my data because, you know, I was at Treasury at the time and I was liking Trump's tweets. I had a hand in drafting some, not during, well, maybe during this time period, I can't remember. But when Trump would tweet about economic issues, sometimes I would have a hand in drafting the tweet. So I am sure, I mean, not my personal account, but through the official channels, of course, when I was there. Not all the time, but sometimes. So obviously, you know, they've got my information. I'm sure they have yours. If you like to Trump tweet, I mean, this is complete totalitarianism and totally out of control. The abuses of power are beyond belief. I mean, you do realize that you're in a tyranny now, right? You might feel free. Freedom in this country is an illusion. Speaking of big tech watching you and uh, censoring you and censoring information that you should have had access to, uh, another big breaking story today, um, Google, which is the biggest search engine in the world and also a bigger company than uh, Meta, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, bigger than all of them. It's coming out now. Internal documents now show that the Biden White House, almost as soon as they got in, began leaning on Google heavily to redact from YouTube, which Google owns. I mean, again, corruption is almost always incestuous. Uh, Google owns YouTube, and the White House began calling very high-profile people at Google to uh, eliminate accounts that they deemed uh, COVID misinformation, and particularly misinformation, as they called it, on the vaccines. So early on when they were rolling out the vaccines, if you put something up on YouTube that questioned the safety of those vaccines, the efficacy of them, what we were being told about how these shots would stop transmission. Remember all the lies that we were told early on? Oh, get the shots. You won't get COVID. Lie. Oh, get the shots. You won't transmit to grandma and kill her. Lie. Oh, look at this, 98% efficacious, lie. Oh, look, we did all of these safety uh, protocols, lie. If you questioned any of this and you put up a video on YouTube, you were flagged for misinformation, your videos were probably taken down and maybe even your account suspended. 
And it turns out, as we are hearing now, and we'll get more details going forward here, because the truth in the end almost always comes out, except, as I say, for the Kennedy assassination, right? That's the one thing that uh, the truth may never come out. By the way, if you have not heard my Thanksgiving show with Roger Stone on the JFK assassination, please go back and listen to that. What a blockbuster, fiery show that was. That one exception, usually the truth almost always comes out. And now we're seeing the fact that the White House leveraged its massive influence on these social media companies, including Google, to block the truth from coming out. And those of us who questioned, totally vindicated. But we also paid a big price, right? Getting suspended, having your videos removed, being demonetized, deplatformed. Understand what we're up against here. This is tyranny. This kind of censorship, which again now is all digital, Orwell could not even begin to fathom wrapping his head around this. And yet here we are, and very few people are complaining about it. I saw Rand Paul on Fox Business this morning. He has been all over Fauci. Fauci, by the way, in the new year has agreed to uh, testify in front of Congress on a whole range of issues. So I hope they actually really nail him this time because he deserves it. The man is a pathological liar who has killed countless people, not just in this go-around in COVID, but long before, 40 years ago, when the AIDS crisis first began. Man lied, manipulated data. I mean, truly evil. So when he is testifying next year, we're going to be all over that on this show as well. So uh, a lot coming at us here. Let's hit a quick break. When we come back, I want to give you my thoughts about my friend, Henry Kissinger, the man I came to know. And then a little later in the show, we'll talk to Senator Tommy Tuberville about the DOD, his holds that have put him in a world of fire uh, and good for him, plus Ukraine money, the border, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So sit tight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back. As we heard last night, uh, Dr. Henry Kissinger, who got his PhD from Harvard uh, and wrote his dissertation on balance of power politics. It's a brilliant dissertation and realpolitik using realism to evaluate the state of the world. Um, You can go read the dissertation. It's absolutely brilliant and timeless and as applicable today as it was when he wrote it in I don't know, 1953, something like that. Uh, But he passed away last night, and I was so saddened to hear the news because, you know, first of all, it's always sad. We just lost Rosalind Carter, and I don't care what your politics are. It's always sad when we lose a real substantial force in the world who, you know, dominated the country in one way or the other. And that applies to Rosalind Carter. uh, Jimmy Carter went to her funeral. He's 99 years old. I mean, God bless him. 
I'm not sure how long he's going to hold on. Um, but Kissinger died at 100 years old last night, and it is always sad when someone who has been so dominant on the American landscape goes because it marks the end of an era. Kissinger at 100. There are very few real heavyweights on the intellectual and political scenes these days. I would put Donald Trump in that he's a true heavyweight, culturally, politically, and so on, but very few others. I mean, everybody else out there are pygmies from Biden to Blinken to even our movie stars are, you know, not, not real heavyweights. Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger were true heavyweights. These were two towering intellects who came together and worked together to advance America's interests in the world. And what a partnership that was. You know, people forget that Kissinger was, you know, sort of a moderate Republican when moderate Republicanism was still a thing. And the establishment's still trying to bring it back, but now the party is a total populist America First party. Richard Nixon was America First before there was America First. And he came up with the original name for America First, the Great Silent Majority. But Kissinger was more of a moderate, and people forget that he was supporting at the time uh, Nelson Rockefeller the New York governor who was running for president in 1968. Nixon, of course, beat him. Um, But Kissinger was originally supporting Rocky. And then Nixon got the nomination and he said, you know, I don't care. This guy is so brilliant and we could really work well together to change the world. So he reached out to Kissinger, brought him in as his national security advisor and later as secretary of state. And the two of them really did shake the world. Detente with the Soviet Union, the opening to China as a strategic counterweight against growing Soviet power, to enlist also the Chinese in ending the war in Vietnam and getting us the hell out of there, shuttle diplomacy in the Middle East, when the Middle East was aflame, as it almost always is, except in the four years of Donald Trump. So many regions of the world were brought to a greater, more enduring peace because Nixon and Kissinger worked together to achieve it. I'll never forget the very first time that I talked to Henry Kissinger. I was fresh out of college. I think a lot of you guys know the story. I wrote President Nixon a letter. He had me come visit him while I was still a senior in college. We talked about the state of the world, hit it off. And then when I graduated, he offered me a job, and I worked with him during the last four years of his life. So at the age of 21, 22, uh, I was sitting there every day with a former president of the United States, and not just any former president, Richard Milhouse Nixon, one of the most controversial we have ever had and also one of the most brilliant we have ever had. And I'll never forget, I was sitting with him in his office, and the phone rang, and over the intercom, Nixon's assistant said, Mr. President, I have uh, Dr. Kissinger on the line for you. And so I gathered my stuff and went to get up to give him privacy to take the call, and he waved me back down into the chair, said, sit down. So I sat back down and he picked up the phone, Henry, how goes the world? And the two of them talked for a couple of minutes. And then he said, 
Henry, I want you to speak to my new foreign policy assistant, Monica Crowley. I think you will find her as impressive as I do. Say hello. And then he took the phone receiver and he pushed it toward me. <laughs> and I, I had no choice. I mean, I, my jaw dropped, but I had no choice. I picked up the phone. I said, Mr. Secretary, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Well, Monica, I've heard so much about you. And we ended up talking for a few minutes. He could not have been nicer. But it was a complete out-of-body experience talking to Henry Kissinger, talking to the former Secretary of State in front of the former President of the United States. Just absolutely extraordinary. There were only two people on the face of the earth who could talk the truth to the Chinese communists. One was Richard Nixon. One was Henry Kissinger. Two extraordinary men. I will say because of the establishment hatred of Richard Nixon, it was so fierce that they would often credit Kissinger with Nixon's vision and policies. But keep in mind that Kissinger had a boss named Richard Nixon. And while Kissinger executed brilliantly, the strategic design was all Nixon. And so the establishment, like the Nobel Committee, gave Henry Kissinger the Nobel Peace Prize in 1973 for the Paris Peace Agreement that led to the end of the war in Vietnam. But it was Nixon's strategic design. It was Nixon's policies. It was Nixon's instruction. But Nixon, they hated him so much, they would not give him the Nobel Peace Prize. And even to this day, they credit Kissinger with this when it was all Nixon. So I just wanted to make that clear, as brilliant a craftsman as Kissinger was, and what a lovely friend he was to me over the years. I attended his birthday parties uh, on occasion. I uh, met with him on occasion. He helped me with my PhD dissertation on China. He was a good friend to me, and I just saw him a couple of weeks ago at the Alfred E. Smith Memorial Dinner in New York, where he gave a speech at 100 years old. So he was sharpened to the very end, but he still had a boss, and that boss deserves a hell of a lot of credit, Richard Nixon. The two of them worked brilliantly together, but it was Nixon's vision that Kissinger helped to carry out. I was blessed to know both extraordinary men. Really, how lucky was I? And the world is a lesser place without them. All right, sit tight. When we come back, we're going to talk to Senator Tommy Tuberville on the other side. A great interview coming up. Sit tight. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Well, it's such a pleasure to have back with us today a football coaching legend, true American patriot, Senator Tommy 
Tuberville. Before entering politics and being elected to the United States Senate from the great state of Alabama, Senator Tuberville was a, a football legend, head coach at Auburn University, Ole Miss, and Texas Tech. That is some serious big collegiate football. Those are titans right there. And he, of course, is a legend. And now he's a legend in his own right on Capitol Hill. He is representing Alabama and really all of us America Firsters in the U.S. Senate. And I'm thrilled that he is back with us today. Senator, welcome back. Thank you, Monica. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you as always, and and we so appreciate all of your efforts. You know, you, I, I may have said this to you last time, but you are the perfect embodiment of what the founding fathers envisioned for uh, citizen leaders. They did not envision this permanent bureaucratic state, a deep state, uh, politicians who go to Washington and stay there for the rest of their lives, decades on end. They wanted people like you who had a, a great success and building a family and a career in your community, gave it up for a couple of years, go to Washington, serve your country, and then go back to your community as George Washington did. Um, and, and they did not anticipate this very corrupt political class. So you were doing exactly what the founders intended, and God bless you for doing it. Well, thank you, Monica. Again, it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be up here. Uh, I've been shocked by a lot of things going on. But as you said, our founding fathers meant for farmers, uh, uh, people had normal jobs, people have paid taxes, people actually have had a job. They come up here and, and, and vote for the people back home. And that's exactly what I've been doing for the three years I've been here uh, representing the great state of Alabama. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know, but this place, place is in a rut. Monica, we, we're up here. We got so many lawyers and I don't have anything against lawyers, but but most of these people come up here for the power of the law instead of coming up here for the power of the people and the taxpayer. And uh, it's just disappointing that we don't have more business people. Uh, it, a prime example is, is President Trump. President Trump uh, worked all of his life, made a lot of money, uh, uh, did a lot of great things for our country, ran for president one and turned this country around. Hey, thank God. We had him as president when COVID hit because our country was on the rise. Our economy and everything was going great. And thank goodness that uh, our economy was going that direction. So it goes to show you people that are in the business world or people that just love the country and doing it, doing it for the right reasons and not doing it for power of either the purse or power of, of the law, like a lot of lawyers do. Uh, I think it gives gives us a bad reputation up here when you don't have more diversity in terms of people coming from different uh, backgrounds. Well, you were doing a superb job against a tsunami of deep, deep corruption uh, up there and, and bias and everything else. And one of the things that you were doing in, in standing up against the tsunami has sort of become your signature issue. And God bless you for doing this. You are on the Senate Armed Services Committee. And earlier this year, you saw that the Biden Department of Defense had put a rule into place to facilitate taxpayer-funded abortions 
for service members and their dependents. And you said, mm, not on my watch. This is illegal. First of all, first of all, remind us what this rule actually does and then tell us what action you took starting back in February, which continues to this day. Well, 35, 40 years ago, Monica, the, the Senate, with Joe Biden voting for it and the Democrats voted for a policy in the military for abortion, which was a good policy. Uh, it lasted for 40 years, uh, very few abortions, not not one complaint, but they decided to change it because uh, uh, from the White House and the Pentagon because they thought that they could do that without going through Congress. And I said, well, no, you can't change this policy unless you go through Congress. I need I need to vote on this and represent the people of Alabama. As so do the people of Wyoming and Oklahoma and Texas. They should have a vote and represent the people on an abortion policy in the military, not be dictated to by an executive overreach from the Pentagon and the White House. Well, uh, and when they did that and put that policy in place, I told them beforehand I was going to hold their admirals and generals uh, from promotion in, until they backed out and gave me a vote on it. I didn't care which way it went. I just wanted a vote to make sure the people of this country had a vote, had a voice. Uh, they wouldn't do it because they knew that they would lose. They knew they would, some of their senators would have bad votes going into an election year and so they pretty much they have held these admirals and generals hostage. Not me. Uh, I've been willing to to let them go had they have not done this policy uh, like a dictator. So uh, we've gone ten months, and uh, there's been no compromise. Uh, but now Senator Schumer, the last couple of weeks, sent a resolution to the Rules Committee. He, they are actually going to change the rules of the Senate to go around me, uh, so they don't have to take a vote on the Senate floor about this illegal taxpayer funded abortion policy. So uh, fortunately for them, unfortunately for them, they got to have 10 Republican votes. But my understanding now is they're going to get 10 Republicans to vote for this. That's going to vote to go around my holes. And that would be disastrous to the Republican party and, and the pro-life party that as, as that. Well, what do you say, though, Senator, to people who take a look at the most recent uh, round in voting in Virginia, and then I guess last year as well, coming on the heels of overturning Roe v. Wade, that the Democrats have really done a great job at fear-mongering, particularly women, particularly suburban women, and that you've got a lot of people in our own party who are very uh, worried about the abortion issue and the impact that it's having on their races and races across the country. And they're saying, you know what, we got to back off from this issue. We got to back away from a uh, hard and fast pro-life stance because we're not we're going to continue to lose elections if we don't. Well, I understand where some of them are coming from, because some some of our our senators that are Republicans come from states that are not near as pro-life as we are in the South, especially states like Alabama. Uh, If you if you uh, gave a vote uh, about pro-life in our state, you'd probably get 75% would vote for pro-life. So I can understand that. But going back to the the situation we have here, this is not about abortion as much as it's about taxpayer-funded abortion, taxpayer-funded travel for the military. We have not had that before. Uh, the, the, the thing you have to look at is uh, – when we polled this a couple of years ago, independents, Democrats, and Republicans about taxpayer funding with anything to do with abortion, all three of those 
60% said we do not want our taxpayer money to have anything to do with abortion. So you got an overwhelming majority that believes in that. So this is not as much about abortion as it is for taxpayers funding travel for abortion and executive overreach. We can't, they're turning this country into communist country, dictatorship. We're going to do it our way. We don't care what you say over in the Senate. We're not going to take a vote on this like we should because that's what our Constitution says. We're just going to tell you how to do this. It's kind of like one of the first things that Joe Biden did when he got into office is he said, we're going to allow transgenders into the military. Why in the world would you allow somebody to 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 switch your sex in the military because they can't be deport, uh, deployed in combat? And again, I'm hey, listen. I don't care if you think you're a giraffe. I really don't. But you don't deserve to be in um, uh, the most important uh, function of our military, which our our country, which is the military, which protects us and our allies. It just not it's it's not the way that we're supposed to work this country. So we've got the animals running the zoo, so to speak, up here, and it's unfortunate that it's causing a detriment to not just our military, but a lot of the other institutions that we have in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and you know, Senator or Coach, um, everybody should understand there are two really big points that, that you've just hit on. Number one, we're talking about public money, taxpayer money. We're not talking about the average woman who uh, may want this procedure and uses her own money to go get it. We're talking about taxpayer money, Department of Defense that we all fund. That's number one. Number two is the procedural offense, procedural offense that the administration took by not going through proper channels, just issuing an edict in order to get this done. And you're standing up and saying no to both. And you're absolutely right. Um, I also want the audience to know that you have taken to the floor 15 times to defend these holes, including twice from so-called Republicans, one of whom I know is uh, Senator Susan Collins of Maine. She's come at you. The Democrats have obviously uh, come at you. And now you're saying that Senator Schumer is probably going to try to go around you to break these holes uh, before the year ends. But he has also caved, right? Because he has put up individual nominees. And I guess six of them, right, have become before the Senate. Is that right? Exactly. And he could do four or five a day if he wanted to, uh, but they don't want to do that. They don't want you to vet these admirals and generals because uh, they just want to run them through. They don't want to do the hard work. But these should these a lot of these generals, especially the four and five stars, should be vetted. Uh, as we all saw last week, uh, we're now putting uh, hundreds of millions of dollars into uh, diversity, equity and inclusion training in mm-hmm. the military. Uh, that's absolutely nonsense. Uh, as I said earlier, we're allowing transgenders into the military, which costs the taxpayer, by the way, $50,000. You are, we are responsible for paying for their surgery. That is absolutely nonsense. And then all the drugs after that, that they have to take, uh, you know, for the years that, that uh, after they've had the, the, the uh, surgery. So there are so many things here that, that just don't make sense. Uh, again, that the taxpayer is not, should not carry the bill for. Uh, all they want to do is pay their taxes and be protected by the military, be protected by our law enforcement, be protected down at the board. Give us the things, give them the things that they deserve 
by paying their hard-earned taxpayer dollars. Yes, and you know, they've come at you with a certain line of criticism that your holes are hurting military readiness, but you just touched on something, Coach, which is so important. You know what's really hurting military readiness? Top brass that's more focused on white rage that doesn't exist and DEI and CRT and gender-fluid admirals that's what's hurting readiness. Recruitment is way down in large part because of this kind of crazy insanity. Nobody wants to go into the military if they know that they're going to have to sit there for days going through DEI uh, training and having their top brass look at them askance because they might happen to be the wrong race. This is, it is a huge, huge problem. And in the end, we're going to lose a major war, maybe even to China, because our military does not have have its priorities straight. Well, you're exactly right. And, and, and you wouldn't believe the calls I've gotten from people that are in the military now saying, we're going to pay for abortion and I can't get a new uniform. I can't get a new pair of boots. When I do get that, I have to pay for it out of my pocket. Uh, our military is way underpaid. We're paying young men and women to go to war and pay them thirty-five dollars to $40,000 uh, that's poverty wages. You can make more more than that if you're on welfare and SNAP cards. I mean, uh, th- these people coming across the border are making more money than that. But we're paying the people that protect this country uh, and have pr- uh, for years and years a wage that's not even adequate to have a great life. It's just absolutely amazing to me. We've got an all-volunteer force. So anybody who stands up and says, yes, I will be counted, I'm going to volunteer to serve in the U.S. Armed Forces with very little pay, separation from friends and family and your community, really hard work, and oh, by the way, could be wounded or killed for my country. Anybody who stands up and says, yes, I will do that voluntarily is an American hero. And the way we have treated these people is absolutely disgusting. So I want to thank you for standing up for all of our military on this issue, but also on the VA abortion efforts as well. You've been so good on that, uh, Coach. So thank you for that. Let's switch gears while we have you and ask you where we are on this massive uh, war aid bill where the Democrats have, uh, at least they're trying to combine aid for Israel, which I know you do support, with another massive funding package for Zelensky and the Ukraine war effort, which I know you oppose. Can you tell us where we stand on that? Well, it all starts in the House, Monica. You know, we all want to make sure that uh, we can fund Israel for what happened over there is just atrocious in uh, this war, of course, we hope it doesn't last that long, get it over with. But we also want to make sure Israel protects and is protected by anything that we can do to help. And we're doing that. Uh, on the other hand, we've given over $100 billion to Ukraine. Now, we can't get an accounting of it. Uh, Joe Biden and his administration will not give us an accounting. We know it's the most corrupt country in the world. But these people over there, uh, you know, we feel bad for Ukraine. I mean, they were attacked by a dictator and Putin, but uh, we had as much to do with that as anybody uh, because we kept pushing Ukraine into NATO and uh, uh, President Putin said, you keep doing that now uh, and I'm going to push back. And that's exactly what's happened. But at the end of the day, uh, we have gotten hundreds of thousands of people killed by backing Ukraine. 
they're almost out of people. Uh, I saw a picture the other day, a Thanksgiving picture of a group of men that's in the military. And I guarantee the average age was 50 years old or older. They don't have any young men left. Uh, they don't have any really young men that's able to fight. They're having to train either real young young men or older men to fight. Now we're sending them missiles and things that they can defend themselves with, but they can't win a war unless you have people. Putin is building an army right and left. He's got more and more people, uh, and it's just going to be disastrous for Ukraine. I don't understand it. Other than just corruption, I don't know why we'd be spending sending another dime to Ukraine other than going over and negotiating. Uh, nobody negotiates in this administration. Tony Blinken or, or Joe Biden have zero skills to negotiate anything. And they ought to be over there today getting this war stopped to where we can get back to the business and start protecting ourselves against the number one adversary, which would be China in the very near future. Yes. And, you know, it's been speculated that they don't want the war in Ukraine to end because it's a giant money laundering operation for them and the rest of the global elite. So they they have a real incentive to keep it going, which is fundamentally evil. We have a lot of evil in a lot of different directions. Um, So do you think, you know, that the House sent over a clean Israel aid bill uh, paid for, by the way, by taking money from the massive IRS budget? Um, do you think that Schumer working alongside McConnell is going to succeed in revamping that, adding Israel to the Ukraine funding and getting that through? First of all, Chuck Schumer is not going to take one dime away from the IRS because that's the way they steal money from the American taxpayers. Right. So that wasn't that wasn't going to work. Uh, we're, we're trying to get like I said, we're trying to get money for Israel, but we're trying to get money that has already been allocated by this crazy administration spending money on climate change. And, you know, Joe Biden just said he's got $500 billion put back for the green energy uh, movement. Uh, and that's the most crazy thing I've ever heard. We do not have a climate crisis. All we have is a, a crisis that this administration is stealing money right and left. John Kerry is over there right now telling people and giving people uh, things that he wants to do when the American people need to get back to work and be able to have a great life over here. We don't worry about American people. We worry more about people overseas. And again, it's the only way they can really stick money in their own pocket. It's really disgusting. So thank you for standing up for not another penny to Ukraine. And by the way, we should get a full accounting of every dime that's gone over there since the beginning of this war. We've had no accountability of the weapons we've sent or the nearly $200 billion we've sent in the last year and a half plus. So thank you for staying on top of that. A final question for you before we go on the border. Every state now is a border state because of the absolute catastrophic wide open border policy that this president has put in place. Can you talk to us about how your state, Alabama, is faring with this massive influx of, you know, 10, 12 million illegals in the last three years? And what, if anything, you guys in the Senate, even the Republicans don't have control over that body, what you can do to try to at least mitigate the negative effects of all of this? Well, Monica, this is a this is probably the number one problem that we're, we're having right now as, as our, our country. Obviously, we've got Biden gotten us in all these wars and made every wrong move in foreign policy. But the domestic policies have been even worse. What's happened at the border in the last three years has been a been a disaster. You, you can combine all the hurricanes, the tornadoes, 
all the wildfires that's happened in the last hundred years in the United States, this is the biggest disaster that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, letting uh, probably at least 10 million people into our country. Number one, we don't know who they are, why they're here. It's costing us, fi- it's already cost us $500 billion, as in B, dollars to take care of these people. When the border wall, when President Trump was in, all it was going to cost us $20 billion. Of course, the Democrats didn't want that because they need voters. This is all about voters, letting more people in. I call it the immigration industrial complex because it's about people making money off drugs, human trafficking, and cheap labor. And they're flushing them in right and left. And it's uh, I talked to somebody at the border not too long ago, and they said, Coach, because they know that Joe Biden probably is not going to be back as president next year, we will see probably six to seven million people come across the border in a one-year period. Mm. And that will that will put us under. It will absolutely put us under. We can't afford it health-wise, education-wise, uh, SNAP cards, welfare. It's a disaster. But this administration could care less because they see it's the only way that they can maintain power in this country is get people to come here to illegally vote, to put them back in power because they're going to give them everything that they want or need to live in this country without having to lift a finger. Yes, and by doing so, they will collapse all of our systems. Healthcare, our economic systems, all of it are being collapsed. It's the old radical communist uh, Cloward and Piven strategy. And I'm glad that you see that it's deliberate. And so many of your colleagues on the Hill see that it's deliberate. This is, you know, drives me crazy, coach, when I hear people say, well, what's Joe Biden's plan on the border? This is the plan. And people have a very difficult time wrapping their minds around the fact that the American president is deliberately destroying the country. But at this point, after three years in and no change of policy, there's no other way to view what they're doing. Right. Monica, I can remember when he first went into office and the border was open and people were complaining and his comeback was, hey, we're a big enough country. We can take one or two million more people in this country. We we can absorb that. Hey, Joe, we way past two million, brother. I mean, we're, 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 we're working on the first 10 and going past that, working on the second 10 million. No, we can't. We can't handle that many people financially. Monica, September the 18th, we went $33 trillion in debt. December the 15th, what, two, two and a half months later, three months later, we're going to be another trillion dollars in debt. We are spending money up here like you have never seen it. And People better wake up because when they if they don't wake up and see the see what's going on up here, they are going to be in a country and a world that they've never been in before. Because all these great things we got going on right now are going to come to a halt because we can't physically handle everything that we should do in this country for the American taxpayer because we are dead broke. It's all unsustainable. And what most people don't understand, Coach, is that the laws of economics are hard and fast, and they're going to kick in. In fact, they've already started to kick in, where the interest on our closing in on $34 trillion in national debt, the servicing of that debt is closing in on a trillion dollars a year, which is going to 
make uh, paying for all of this other stuff that the left wants impossible. And then you're going to have societal collapse on top of economic collapse. People don't understand how serious the moment is, but I know that you do. And we are so grateful for you. Thank you so much for taking the time, Coach. Well, Monica, let me put one thing in there that people need to, that they need to understand this. As everybody wonders, well, we can pay for it. We're United States of America. Folks, we are printing, as we speak, $100,000 a minute. Mm. $100,000 in new money we're printing to pay for wars and everything going on in this country because we don't have any money. And as you said, we're getting ready to have to pay a trillion dollars a year just on the debt that we owe on the $34 trillion. Folks, we are in huge trouble. Call your congressman. Call your senator. Make Make sure that your voice is heard, because if you wait too late, your voice is not going to make any difference. That's it. The hour is very late, and we're so grateful that you took the time to join us today, Coach, and also for what you're doing on the Hill. I know it's not easy. I know the pressure from your peers, both Republican and Democrat, and the pressure from the propaganda press is huge on you, Uh, but you have not given in on the things that really matter, and so we're so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. Senator Tommy Tuberville of the great state of Alabama on social media. Follow him. He's got great feeds on Twitter at Sen Tuberville, also on Instagram at Sen Tuberville, and on Facebook, Senator Tommy Tuberville. He is one of the good guys, so get out there and support him. All right, another big show in the can. Thank you guys so much for joining us and for checking out our sponsors. Tell everybody you know about the Monica Crowley podcast. We don't want anybody to have FOMO. Next week on the show, we're going to have a fierce, really fun conversation with the chicks on the right who are terrific, plus more big stuff coming up. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe, be well, happy holidays, and I will see you right back here next week. This episode of the Monica Crowley Podcast was produced by Bayhockle Entertainment, LLC. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.